What is up, my friends? And welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm so excited for you to meet Jeff Lopes. He is the podcast host of Jeff Knows Inc. He is the author of Entrepreneur Dad. He is working to live a life with no regrets. He is teaching his children to believe in themselves and to conquer their fears. I'm so excited for you to hear wisdom from my friend Jeff and take this into your own craft of fatherhood. Jeff, what is up? Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm I'm doing amazing, man. This is uh this is supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago, but I'm I'm excited that it's finally come to fruition, and we're gonna have a great conversation today. And I'm uh, I'm grateful that you have me on as a guest today. Yeah, I've been stoked because you know just even us talking before we hit record. You know, you are an entrepreneur, a father, a passionate guy, and you have a lot of projects influencing fatherhood, which I'm excited to jump into. But I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions just to help you know our guests know who I'm looking to, looking at talking to right now. So, Jeff, where do you live? Toronto, Canada, born and raised. Toronto, born and raised. Okay, so we'll we'll be hearing that. We'll be hearing that through the microphone, I think. Um, how many years you've been married? Uh, going on to eighteen already, man. Time time flies when you have yeah. fun. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Eighteen years. That's so cool. And then, how old are you right now? I'm forty four. Forty four, and you have two kids. Two kids. A fifteen year old high school daughter just turned high school. Life is uh, life is oh, going to get man. interesting. I'm sure. Uh, she's a she's a sweetheart, man. She's a, a really good kid, and uh, my son just turned Tiago just turned thirteen, and it's been uh, an incredible. We even talk about him later on, man. It's been an incredible journey with him, and uh, thirteen years of tons and tons of lessons in there, and uh, yeah, such an incredible journey that's turned. It, I think it's shaped. It, he has shaped me as a man, so we can even get into that later mm. on. Mm. Mm, that's huge. Um, okay, well, I'm looking forward to getting into that. But last last question before we kind of dig into the deeper stuff is is what do you do for a living? God, I, I've been I, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 17. I've never really worked for anybody. Um, 17, I started a first company, ended up exiting that. I ran through about four or five companies, opening, exiting, um, till 2006 when I started a company called Comorware, and uh, that company is uh, it was a passion project. Thought I was going to build and exit it. Uh, 15 years later. I still have the company. We build and manufacture boxing martial art equipment. And through that, that has allowed me to venture into another company called True Blue Homes, where we have a portfolio vacation and commercial rentals. And then we've always had little ventures in between that. And then 2020, I really uh, took another part of my passion, which I was doing for almost three years. I was coaching entrepreneurs for about three years, never charged a penny. It was me giving back. I took 64 mm. entrepreneurs under my wing. I just wanted to give back, teach, educate, and and and, and I helped some of them from zero up to seven figures. And I thought in 2020, it's time to get a little more detailed into that. And I really started in-depth coaching. I took pen to paper, wrote Entrepreneurial Dad, the book, um, started the podcast, 126 episodes in. Um, I started putting Love myself it. out there, putting myself out there. First time I ever branding myself. I never done that before. It was always in my little world. I was really busy. I was really doing well business-wise, but I never put myself out in the, in the, in the public eye like that. In 2020, I did that for the first time, branding myself. And fast forward, we've created um, a man's purpose, which is essentially a community for entrepreneurial dads to learn and grow together. Wow, that's so powerful. Yeah, so I love, so you've got the businesses, you're an entrepreneur, um, and then you have the podcast. Now, is the podcast more geared towards entrepreneurship? It's it's Jeff Knows Inc., but does it also incorporate fatherhood, or is those kind of two separate things? It, it, it's it's almost two separate things. I like going to the okay. business part of that, and we try to give it a lot of business. But the podcast is just, it's just conversation. It's just high-level people that have created an extreme amount of wealth, but um, have done really good stuff in the world. And we just have open conversations at how their journey to let people know who they are and behind the kind of behind the scenes of what they do every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the book entrepreneur dad, what was the motivation behind writing that and putting that out there? 
I to be honest, when I first started to pen to paper, it was it was part of the branding process, right? Mm. When you're getting yourself out there for the first time, I, I'm a branding expert, so I'm looking at the colors, I'm looking at the name, I'm looking at where I want to be, I position myself in 12 months. I always forecast around 12 months. I knew in 12 months I wanted to start a man's purpose. I already had that in my mind, mm. and I realized the podcast was just going to be an engine or a vehicle to that end result. And 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 I thought, how am I going to be able to connect to all these high level people without offering them something? So I thought, if I build a podcast, you build it up to a certain level, I will have a platform for them to want to connect with me. And once we build that, everything else will start working. And and the, it was more of just I took twelve years of really studying parenthood. I really mm. focused on parenthood for about twelve years. And I thought, you know what? Let me put my business knowledge, my parenting. And what I've understood of creating this balance, which a lot of people hate the word balance. I think I love the word balance. And, mm. and I said, let me put it all into a book. And, and that'll kind of set me as an expert in this field and just kind of start building the framework for the future, right? Yeah, man, I love it. So balance, uh, you're getting it all done, right? So what's the what's your secret to, to getting the book done and, and getting the podcast out there and starting a men's group, all these things while also running your businesses and being a great husband and father? Yeah, schedule, schedule. The simplest schedule. thing is, is, is actually understanding, studying your schedule, working on your schedule. Um, what I do with my schedules, I'm very particular into blocking. Uh, everything mm-hmm. is time blocked in my schedule. So I, the first thing I do every month is I find my non-negotiables and I say, okay, these are my non-negotiables, my family time. I call it the three to seven every every night from three to seven. I try to be present with my family, try to have dinner every night with my family. So three to seven non-negotiable that's in there. Now for you me to create a three to seven in my schedule, what do I have to do to still have a great business, still have some personal time? I got to find some sacrifices. I'm up every day at four 30 in the morning, not because I yeah. like to, I get up and I'm not <laughs> one of those, Oh, let's get up at four. I realize if I sacrifice myself at 4.30 to get up from 4 to 9 o'clock, I get so much work done, so many things accomplished personally that I have the rest of the day to ease and groove through my podcast, my interviews, staffing, whatever, so I could be home from 3 to 7 and be present. So yeah. it's mastering your schedule, studying your schedule, studying the white blank parts of your schedule also, which I think those are just as important as the, the filled parts, and really, really learning how to create the non-negotiables in your schedule. And once you do that, I, what I do also is every every eight weeks or so, I really focus my schedule and I look at what things in my schedule I could actually get rid of. So mm. I reinvest time into cleaning out the schedule, cleaning out my life. I figure out what people in my life shouldn't be in there every couple of months and they're wasting my time and I'll get rid of them as well. So really, really cleansing everything every couple of months and really focusing on keeping it as streamlined as possible just makes you able to put you in a situation to be able to accomplish anything you really want, right? Yeah, I love that. I think sometimes, you know, we will look at our schedule and we'll think about it a little bit too big, you know, for the year. What's my schedule look like for the year? So to set a time, set aside time every couple months. So you said every eight weeks to reevaluate, hey, what's working? What's not? I'm going to get rid of what's not. And then if I'm finding I'm not honoring some of the things, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to go back to it. So powerful stuff. Um, and I think that that critical course correction is, is really important you know, and 100%. to schedule that out. Yeah. Okay, cool, man. Now, when you think about the role of the father, you said you studied parenthood for 12 years, you wrote a book, clearly you have some, some deep uh, truths inside of you about what being a father is. When you think about the role of the father, what would you define that as? God, I, I would say that the easiest way to describe the role of the father is, is being almost like a teacher. I think a lot of us, and we, I was deep in this conversation a couple of weeks ago where uh, originally they called them helicopter parents. Now they're calling them lawnmower parents where they're lawn, they're in front of them cutting the grass and keeping a smooth path. Mm. I'm pretty the opposite. I'm all about teaching my kids how to defend for themselves. I'm teaching my kids so many lessons that they're preparing themselves for the future to be independent. My kids are 13 and 15. They both cook. They both clean. They both know how to do dishes. They both know how to do laundry. They help around the house. They, they, they're very independent. They work out on their own. Our kids are workout fanatics and we've built these, these kind of these pillars that they are so accustomed to. They've become part of their life that they are able to fend for themselves. And then on top of it, there's certain things that as a parent, there's two things I truly believe that you got to instill into your children from a very young age is self-belief and breaking fear. And those two mm. things are non-negotiable in our house where um, and I, I'm, I'm so passionate about it. Years back, and I mean years back, I have a post on it. 
we created these two signs um, out of wood. We, we paid an artist to make them, and they say, believe in yourself. And they were up, outside both bedroom doors right above their door. And when, before they would go to bed every night, I would make them do, I'd actually read it all out five times each. I believe myself. I believe myself. And and we would do this consistently, consistently, consistently. And and it's something we totally had the passion about is always believing yourself. And and that fear, I think fear is something that no one's born with. Fear is something that we're taught as children. We always hear that, like your mom's voice ringing in your head. You run, Don't run down the stairs. You're going to fall. Don't touch the stove. You're going to bring your hand. So being able to break those fears, and that's something we do. I mean, 2020 has been a lot different but in the past because obviously covid and homeschooling but in the past mm-hmm. it's something we're getting back into every eight weeks we'd find something our kids have some fear of whether it's public speaking or climbing something or doing something. and as a family we schedule together we conquer together and we celebrate the the victory together so we start breaking those awesome. fears and turning them into victories and you start putting that in your head this becomes part of you it becomes engraved in, in almost into your dna that you know what this is a fear, but I'm going to accomplish it. I'm going to break it. And it's going to be such a rewarding feeling after. And you start learning that and by the time they turn 15, 16, 7, you're becoming, you're building these winners. You're building kids that are not going to be scared of taking chances in the world. Kids that are going to believe in themselves. If once they take that chance, they know they're going to have that belief that they're going to accomplish what they want to accomplish. Right. Dude. So good. So good. And what you're sharing isn't, uh, this thing that is only for, the rich and famous. This is for any no, dad. Like anybody. what you're talking about, anybody listening to this can go write a sign, create a sign, start to create and set aside time to pay attention to, you know, uh, creating self-belief and and what are my kids afraid of and how do I come alongside that? Maybe I'm afraid of some things and they see me even as an adult conquering some of my fears. And I think what a powerful relationship to have you know, with your children. So dude, kudos. I love what you guys are doing. Let me, let me jump to one thing in there. You said, Ned, and I think that's one thing I'm very passionate about too. And I, and I like to add it in is I hold myself accountable with my children. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. When I was about to start writing a book, the first people I actually called were my two kids and said, look, dad's going to write a book in 12 months. It's going to be, our book ended up being number one seller in 11 categories. Of Amazon. I said, in 12 months, our book is to be out and be a number one seller. And they're like, why are you telling me this? And I said, I want to hold myself accountable. So when I get there, I showed you, I did everything I said. And once I did it, we celebrated together. So I hold myself accountable and I do that all the time, whether it's fitness goals or work or business, I tell my family and I make myself accountable. So I have to prove to them that I'm going to accomplish everything I said. And that's setting a standard to them to follow, right? Oh, yeah. So good to set that up now, treating them I don't want treating them like human beings. I don't want to say the word adults, right? But treating them like humans, it's not like at age 18, this, there's this change. It's you're teaching them now about the reality of how to live, how to be self-sufficient, how to believe, how to grow. Uh, Yeah. Wonderful. Now, Jeff, let me ask you this. What have you learned about yourself as a father? So you, you've gone through some stages, right? Of fatherhood and, and, your kids are a reflection of you, right? So you've probably been confronted at times with things you like about yourself and things you may not like about yourself. So as you've been a father the last 15 years, what's something that you've learned about yourself, whether something you liked didn't, and then did you do something about it? You know, I I think the biggest lesson, I think there's two lessons there, but the biggest one I would say is as parents, we're indirect mentoring our children at all times. And I think that's something a lot of parents don't put thought into. And little things that we do every day, little actions we ever do every day, our children are constantly watching us. They're constantly learning from us. They're constantly intaking everything we do, whether it's negative or positive. And I think when I talk about indirect mentoring, a lot of times this could be negative, how you treat others, how we react to situations when we realize that situation is not comfortable. And there has been so many times where I've sat there and like, and, and I look at my kids, I'm like, damn, like that was a bad lesson. Like mm. I, as dads, man, we're, we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing out. And I, and I'm a strong believer. We're going to be, you're, you're learning to the day you die. Right. So you're constantly learning time, constantly growing. You're trying to educate yourself, build yourself, make yourself a better man, better person, better husband, better father. So I think the indirect mentoring aspect is something that I'm, I've, I've, I've really, really toned and focused on lately more than ever. And I'll give you one little thing that happened about a year and a half ago. It's a little, teeny little story. Um, and, and, it's just, and it's just a reflection of how 
your kids have learned from you and how they understand every day, every action you do and they intake it. So I was with my son. He plays baseball. He's a little pitcher, a little left-handed pitcher. And, um, and that's one of our goals. And I'll go through his story after, but he's a little left-handed pitcher and we're at an indoor facility. He's, he, he plays at a, he was playing a lot that year. He was playing at a high level, uh, uh, traveling team and we're in an indoor facility. He, he was 12 years old and I was, guys being back catch. We're doing a full bullpen. He's pitching him into me and the kids hitting at that time. He was seeing like 52, 53 miles an hour as a 12 year old. He's doing really nice. good lefty. And I'm catching them, and these two kids come into the facility, and they're about high school kids, 16, 15, 16 years old, taller kids, and they're just watching them, and all these people are around watching them. And, and there's a lot of, because of his history, and we'll go through that, everything he's been through, he has, he has a huge following. He has a lot of people kind of supporting his journey. Hmm. So everybody was watching this, and um, when we're done, we had the radar going on, we're done, we're cleaning up, and these two kids, they, they don't play baseball, they just came in to use a batting cage. So they're using the batting cage, playing around, joking. And then when they were, we were done, they came up to me, goes, one of the boys came, sir, you have a radar gun. He goes, can we use it? I just want to see how hard we throw. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I gave him the gun. They started throwing the ball. Um, they come back after us. We're all packed up. They gave me the gun back and they said, hey, I go, how'd you do? And one of them's like, oh, I threw 40 miles the hour. The other one's like, I hit 38. And, and, and just reaction was like, oh, look at my little 12 year old. He hits 54. And I just started smiling and he's like, oh, that's really good. And I just put the gun away. And my son's quiet. He puts his head down. He's all shy. Put the gun away. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're driving home. And my son's quiet. Tiago was so quiet in the car. I'm like, what's up, T? And he's like, I want to say something to you, dad. And I go, what? It's my 12 year old. He goes, you've always taught me, for one, never ever to um, uh, kind of put me in a situation where you're making somebody feel not equal to you and you yeah. always tell me not to compare myself to the people and i said yeah i go what you did to those boys you made them feel inferior to me and you compared them to me i go how do you think they felt and he's saying this to me and i was just wow like, wow yes. it was just like, and it's like you don't realize how indirectly that's just one little thing but there's been wow. others where indirectly our actions are clicking their heads and he could have took it another way where he could have turned around and be like, oh, that's okay to be a dick to other, to other, to other kids. So it's, it's, it's how we indirectly teach our children, I think, is very, very important to be aware of that at all times. Oh, man, what a killer story. So good and so cool how our kids take the things that we're teaching them and then just reflect it back. And it's teaching us, right? Because we're all on this path of growth. Um, since we're here, man, I, you've made a couple comments about your son, maybe dig into that story for a couple minutes. You know, you said some yeah. health issues, but then you also said something really significant. And that was that he really like revealed to you manhood and what it was to be a man. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%. So rewind 2008, uh, April 19th. Um, my wife at that time was, uh, 31 weeks pregnant. I was your typical I was your typical entrepreneur. I was working crazy hours and never home. My daughter was a year and a half old. I was never present. I was your work, 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 build, 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 want to have the nicest cars and nicest house. And, and that's all I cared about at that time. And um, it was a Friday afternoon. My wife, uh, we got home. My wife wasn't feeling well. We ended up going to the hospital and uh, we had an emergency section and we almost lost my wife and my son the same night. And uh, my wife was in surgery wow. in the room. They pulled me into a room and they said, listen, your son's got a boat maybe five, 10 minutes of life. Do you have a name for him? We didn't even have a name for him yet. And our life was upside down. Our families were in another room. Um, they didn't know what was happening. And um, I don't want to get into total detail, but um, they said, do you have a name for him? The first name that came to my head was Tiago, which means God's warrior. And I just literally wrote that in the first year. And that's where his journey started. Mm -hmm. And his journey has been just, just mm. crazy stories after crazy stories. And uh, he was being transferred to another hospital because we're very fortunate. We have one of the greatest hospitals in pediatric care in the world, sick kids hospital, but the hospital was filled. They had no beds. They had to transfer him for an hour and a half to another hospital. And they said, there's most likely he's not going to make the dry distance, the drive. And for our fortune and another family's misfortune during the drive, another baby passed away, sick kids in a bed, and a bed opened up and they did a Ewing. They ended up going to sick kids. And that's when his journey started. He was born with six organs, um, severely damaged part of his brain was severely damaged wow. and it was wow. a journey of, of four to six months uh four months sorry four months um to um at Sikia's hospital that became his permanent home that became essentially our, our second home we were there from seven in the morning till seven at night seven days a week and at the four month old four month period i just wanted to be a dad i just wanted to take him home and we convinced the doctors they didn't want to release him. We convinced them to release him. And um, at four months old, he was still four and a half pounds, fit in the palm of my hands at four wow. months. 
um, still on feeding tubes, never swallowed in his life. We took him home with a little baby bottle, one ounce bottle, and we had to teach him how to swallow at home. And when we they was released, they discharged him. They gave us, we, they, by discharge, they had to um, uh, give my diagnosis or a label. And he would labeled with uh, several palsy and said he would be most likely confined to a wheelchair his whole life. And I remember getting home and me and my wife mm. just looked at each other and like, like, what do we do? We were just lost. And I went to bed that night. We got up the next morning. Um, throughout the night, we barely slept. We got up the next morning. And I looked at my wife and I go, my biggest thing is I do not want to wake up when I'm six years old and look at my son and be like, I did not give him every opportunity possible to yeah. succeed. Yeah. And and that's when my venture started. And everything became these goals. We set these extremely pressured goals. Even at four months old, like I was every day rolling his legs up, every day doing therapy with them. We put them in every type of therapy, every type of pediatric help. We did everything possible and we took everything as a big win, right? Because his brain damage, we didn't know what, how, what would be his future hold. And when he was six months old and he laughed for the first time, it was a huge victory. We were like celebrating oh, like crazy. Yes. Um, it was my, my daughter dropped something in the kitchen floor and he just started laughing. We're just like, he's laughing. <laughs> uh, when he was a year and a half old, I got him to balance for the first time standing mm-hmm. that was a huge victory for us so we got him i got him to the point where i was able to get him to move enough that i convinced the doctors to put him on afos to braces so we got him to braces up to his knees and and just just the fast forward this kid is an absolute beast like his mindset is not of a normal 12 year old like he's just he, when he put something in his head he's just so driven so we would set these goals on his wall and be like okay um let's hop on one leg for example that took three months three months every single wow. day for hours wow. just to hop one leg. So it was just process, process. So we set this hefty goal um, that we said, by 12 years old, you're going to be out of your braces. Because the doctor said at least till he's 19, 20, you'd be in braces. We said by 12, you'd be out of your braces. And before your 13th birthday, you're going to run a marathon. And everybody thought we were crazy. And uh, fast forward, by uh, before his 12th birthday, he was out of his braces. He turned April 19, 2021, he turned 13. April, 9, April 18th, we ran our first marathon together. And it's been this incredible journey, um, kind of beating every single odds. And that comes with even this. So we have set all these incredible, crazy goals for him. Uh, we, we have a certain amount of marathons we want to do. Um, he's a little left-handed pitcher. I don't want to, we're not looking at the major. We have, we have a goal to get him to 90 miles an hour by 18. So we have this, this thing where metric we're on. So we, we've set these crazy goals. We have papers all over his walls and everything is like literally is goal setting. Like even when yeah. he was at, like at one year old, for him to push his finger through plaster seam, like because of his brain damage, his whole right side of his body had no function at the beginning. Now he's totally balanced, but we have to teach him that. So he learned how to do everything quickly with his left. He's not naturally a left. That's why he learned uh. how to pitch everything. So he's now he he does everything with both hands, which is pretty crazy, right? And it's been just an incredible journey. And through the whole process, man, he's made me so much more of a passionate dad. He's made me so mm. much more of a man. He's made me so more present he's made me understand what being present is all about and 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 he's a sweet angel of a kid this kid is literally like like every time i see him i just want to hug him and kiss him like, mm. he's, like he's the type of kid i call my little puppy when i get home it's not my dog right at the front it's him and my dog racing to come see who gets to come me a hug first and and he's just this sweet angel but his mindset is just he's not a normal 12 year old like when he puts his head to do something it's done there's no yeah. stopping him, and it's and it's you can't teach that, right? So right. that is a huge part of. Well, let me ask you, you, to us. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you taught him that mindset, or do you think he had that mindset? <sighs> it's it's hard, man. A lot of par- a lot of people or, say that. A lot of people say that that he was born to be my son because I'm so driven. I'm naturally just an obsessively driven person. When I put something in my head, I always do it. So a lot of people say that. I say the opposite. I'd say he was born to be my son because I would not change anything he's been through because that's made us so yeah. connected, right? Yeah, yeah. But something you said earlier, you know, you talked about the fear and how you guys conquer fear as a family. Um, and you you said that you're not born with this fear, right? Yeah. That that it's instilled in you. So so do you think then that he's born or everybody is born with this mindset of creating and going after life, but then over time we whittle that 100%. down maybe as 100%. parents? 100%. Uh, or the 100%. world? Man. 100%. 100%. 100%. So I've put in his mind and, 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 and every little victory we've done from pushing mm-hmm. finger in the plaster scene to be able to wiggle his toe, every little thing is been these milestones that we've celebrated like is like 
He just won the Stanley Cup. He just won the, he just won the World Series, right? Every little thing. So because of that, that mindset of just winning, and I'm a strong believer in, and I've had this conversation so many times, I absolutely, absolutely despise the whole um, mindset of, of, of not teaching our kids how to be winners. So our kids Mm. enter a school track and field, everybody gets a participation ribbon. I can't stand that. I'm a strong believer. You want your kids to be winners. You want to teach them from a young age. They have to win. They want to win. And having that mindset, it's okay to lose. Sorry, it's okay to lose, but you learn from your your losses, you reflect on them, you don't do those mistakes again, and you move on. You build winners from a young age as well. I'm a strong believer in that as well. And I think that's one thing I've done with him from such a game. I kept pushing and pushing. When he didn't realize he was being pushed, it became natural to him, I think. Yeah. Okay, so talk about that for a minute, right? So you see the kid who's at a baseball game, and his dad has made winning everything. Win, win, win. And the kid loses and he walks off crying and you can you're like this kid is a freaking baby and just cares about winning so i think that there's something there right because winning and losing go hand in hand but losing in that way isn't what you're talking about no you're talking about losing with uh you know losing and knowing you got beat and so yeah, I'm going to go yeah. back to the drawing board, right? So talk yeah. to me about that because I think I'll there's a example. distinction there. Yeah, 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 a total example. So there's a difference from that 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 dad that that drive home is is that awkward moment they're being mm. rude to their kids or screaming. There's a difference whether you win or lose. You're still going to love your kids equally. You're still going to celebrate them equally. You're still going to treat them the same. But you want them to sit down and reflect on that and take that as a lesson. I'll give you an example. My daughter. My daughter does high high performance dance. She's a really really high level dancer. And she entered a competition. This is about a year, year and a half, two years ago. She entered a competition and she trained her rear option. She thought she was going to get first and she ended up getting third. And she came home, she was all upset. And to be honest, we, she put so much effort to her. I expected her to get first. I wanted her to get first. And, and I said to her, I go, listen, I go, we got home. And I go, listen, you got a competition two months from now. I go, what are you going to do different? And she's like, oh, I have to train harder. And I said, no, you're not going to train harder. I go, you are going to get the tape of the first place, the second place. You're going to get a tape. She got a recording of the whole event. Mm-hmm. I said, you're going to study first place. You're going to study second place. Figure out what they did better than you, what they did differently than you to get second and first. And then you're going to study yourself, figure out what you did wrong. Then you're going to write it all down, reflect it all. Then you're going to make the changes necessary for the next competition. So you take everything as a learning lesson. And she mm-hmm. did it in the next one. She finished first. And it's having that mindset is you do want to build winners, but it's okay to lose. You're there to win. I mean, I've, how many companies I've started? I've, I've lost a ton and I've won a ton. And the end of the day is you want to pile up more victories and losses. That's just the way it is. And you're on the right track. So we're all going to lose. No one's always going to be perfect. No one's always going to finish first. But it's having that mindset of, you know what? Every time I do lose, what I learn from it, how could I improve from it? What can I take from it? If you have that mindset, you're, you're always going to be on the right track, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to dig into this a little bit more and ask, okay, so you have a son who has health issues. You're a dad. You set this goal. What age was he when you said at age 12, you're not going to have braces anymore? And here's why I'm asking you, you could dig yeah. into it, is setting your, your kid up for this dream goal. And then I'm sure there are things that he didn't hit. Right. So how do you manage that? Because I think sometimes we don't want to uh, set our kids up for uh, failure, but then we're not setting them up for great success. So we're almost setting them up just for mediocre life. Yeah. So, I mean, there's tons of times when we say, okay, we're going to accomplish this in two months and we, and we take five months to get it to, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't stop that path. There's a difference from starting a goal and quitting on it. That is losing. But if you start a path, it might take a little long. You might have to adjust the path. You might have to take a different route. But the end result is you get that victory one way or another. And we finally get there as long as it takes to get there. You're on the right track. And 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 as we're getting there, sometimes we might shoot for the stars. We only land on, what did that say? You land on a branch. You're going to get to your peak. But I'm I try to set realistic goals. Like I knew... Once I started with the brace and I knew I could, I, I literally knew his mindset. I knew where we were. I knew our progression. So it was about, mm-hmm. I would say about seven years old or so. So I already knew he, he was going to get out of those braces. 
So me setting that goal just fast forward everything. It's just set our, our, our target a lot closer. So being realistic as well, right? You're not going to tell your kid, hey, you're, you're, in, you're, in, you're playing Little League Baseball at 11 years old and you got to make the majors. No, like it's, it's realistic goals. Okay, let's get to the next tier. In two years, we're going to aim to be a double A or triple. You know what I'm saying? So you set realistic goals, and then we accomplish them, and we keep smacking and smacking. We're building more winning, winning attitude and building and building and building till we get to where we want to get to, right? Yes, yes. Oh, I think that's so important. Now, as a dad, between that age of 7 and 12, and then we, and then we, can, we yeah. can move on, were there times that you found yourself starting to lose belief? And if no. so, no, never. No, I wouldn't even allow myself to. I knew I had to be that mindset where if I didn't show him the belief, and okay, let me rephrase that. Was there times I questioned it and questioned everything we're doing? Yeah, because goals. So then, what would you do? What would you do to not to not? I mean, it's like you want to be vulnerable and honest with your kids, but you also don't want to plant a seed of doubt in their mind. So what would you do to help yourself through that as being that guide for your kid? No, that, that honestly, that is that mindset of, I have to be the anchor. I have to be the center mm-hmm. point. I got to be able to plant them in there and get them going. So it was a situation where even when I would question it, I would give myself that self belief and then relay that belief to him and make yep. sure that he still had it in him to keep going. Right. And, and having that mindset, even as we were targeting these goals, you would have to have that mindset in a way where you have to make, you have to keep them fun. You got to keep them relevant. You got to keep them. So he's motivated. Right. So every single goal we would accomplish, we would accomplish them with other little goals in between. Right. So I would do stuff. He loves baseball. So part of the journey was, okay, let's, let's try to hit 30 miles an hour and throwing a ball. Yeah. Let's try to make this yeah. team. Everything had that mindset. Right. So we set goals and then, and then I would, there are certain goals where he did them on his own and they are even more powerful. Mm-hmm. For example, when he tried out for, um, he was playing health sleep and he tried out for the rep team for the first time. And, uh, the first, the first time we tried out, we tried to play for the rep team. He, I think he was, out of, I don't know, 60, 70 kids, he was the second, third, slowest speed time. Even though he made the team for everything else, from, from first to, uh, from home to first, 75p, he was, a, he was I think, the third slowest or something like that, third or fourth slowest. He set a goal for himself for the next year. When he went back the next year, he was the second fastest on the team. How did he do that? And that was himself. That was himself. Hmm. If you go to my, my my social media page, I post it all the time. This kid does wind sprints. He literally does level 10. I came to do it. The highest level on the treadmill, the highest incline, does sprints of 15, 20-second sprints like 10 times, 15 times, like three, four times a week. Like this kid has that mind where it's like he realizes how important fitness is, and he's just adapted into his lifestyle. And both kids have done that, which is like my kids don't even play video games. My kids come home and they compete. They fight over who can go on the treadmill for God's sake, which is crazy. That's hilarious, right? dude. That's so funny. So, uh, something you said makes me really want to ask you this question. Yeah. So you you paused and you said, "Were there times where I not not started to doubt, but was like, okay, I need to get my mindset right." So my understanding of what you're saying is that you know who you are. You know your role as the father and guide in your family. Yeah. And, and what I want men to hear who are listening as dads is what is the conviction you have in yourself to wake up and look in the mirror and go, you're the end of the road here, bro. Like you are the guy, these kids, these two kids are looking to me to be the rock, to be the anchor. You know, you've used that word as anchor. So where does that conviction come from inside of you Get yourself, get your ass out of bed and get yourself up and tell yourself in the mirror, I'm the dude and I'm going to show up today. Because I think dad, other dudes dad, have that. My, go ahead, go dad. ahead. I would say my dad. Mm, my wow. dad, man. My dad was a factory worker, worked at Ford Motors, worked 12-hour shifts, Monday to Friday. And man, when he was home, he was present. If he had to only mm. sleep one hour to be at my ball game, he was present. If he only wow. slept one hour and on the weekends – he was there. He was present. He, we didn't have a lot, but I never felt like we didn't have everything. He mm. was always there. He filled me with so much love. He was such an incredible man. And he taught me that. He taught me that y- you are 
you are the anchor of the home. You are mm. the provider in not financially, your provider in love, your provider in guidance, your provider in leadership, your provider as a teacher. And everything you do will reflect upon your children, upon your, your spouse, upon everything. Like it's, it's, it, it all starts with you. And I'm a strong believer in that. And, and, I, mm-hmm. and I, that was just instilled for me in a, in a very young age. My dad didn't sit down and teach me this. He did it by example. Like I come from a European family where my dad cooked and cleaned and did probably more at home than my mom did, which is very rare in the European family, especially back then. Now things are changing, times are changing, right? But um, it was just, he led by example. He always led by example. He didn't have, he was a man of very few words, but led by example. Always there, always patient, always, always filled with love. And I think that that just reflected on myself. And and as crazy as now that I'm older and in the last little, probably the last three, four years, I've really been able to gasp. My father had an understanding that Wealth equal freedom. Wealth equal time. And that's something you hear a lot of people, a lot of people throw that around, especially in the entrepreneurial world, throw that around. But I don't think people really understood that. My dad was an entrepreneur. My dad worked a blue-collar factory yeah. assembly line. But he, my dad back then made a shitload of money. Back then, he was making 30 something bucks an hour. Like This is like hmm. 50, 40 years ago, working the assembly line. And if he worked weekends, he would get time and a half. If he worked holidays, he would get triple time. He could have made a lot more money. All his friends, all our, back then, our uncles, everybody worked at Ford because it was a very secure job. And he could have made a lot more money. But he realized he was making just enough to be able to be home every day present, be home on weekends. He would not work a weekend because he never wanted to miss a weekend with us. Hmm. My dad would take all his holidays, negotiate his holidays around that he could block them all up. And we would jump in the car for three to four weeks every summer from Toronto, Canada, down to Cape Cod, and he would rent out a little beach cabin. We'd live on the beach for three to four months every summer. So he understood that all that work was to create this freedom for him and his family. Mm-hmm. And he did enough just to be able to. He didn't work more thinking I could have a nicer car. And I said, he didn't give a shit about that. And and later on in life, he never told me this, but it was I was able to now as an entrepreneur sit back and like, this is what he was doing. He really got it. He really understood it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and and if you look at me and my sister and everybody, like we we did, we're doing well for ourselves because he was present and he was always present. And I think that's one thing I'm very strong about is is being present. And when I mean present, like when you're with my kids from three to seven, that phone is all. I'm present. I'm not with my kids and on social media or with my kids or I'm watching TV. Or I'm watching the game. Like when I'm with my kids, it's listen. We get home and we're an outdoor family. We're like let's go for a hike. Let's go for a bike. We're outdoors every night. And be able to be present and 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 build memories that are going to be with me with my kids well past my time. Just like my dad, my dad just passed. The memories I have of him, man, I, I could I could write books and books on the stuff we did together. And and those you you, you can't that, there's no there's no dollar sign on any of that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Jeff, man, so powerful everything you said, and and I just want to pause and and I want to hear a bit more about your dad and your relationship with your dad, but. Dudes, if you're listening right now and you didn't have a similar answer to Jeff, where you paused and and went, I learned all that from my dad. And then Jeff went on this amazing rant of my dad showed me that I was the provider of love. I was the provider of this, the provider of that. So Jeff's dad showed him that. And I would say invited him into that role where now Jeff shows up for his family with the conviction and confidence that I am the guy. And I would tell you dads that innately you are the dude. And if you haven't been invited to live out that role, just rewind like three minutes and listen to the, to, to the words that Jeff's dad said to him. And now they're being passed to you and I, and know that that is an invitation for you to show up for your wife, for you to show up for your kids, because you are the only dude on the planet that those kids will ever get to call dad. Like really you're their dad. You're the only dude they need. And so I just want to invite you into that role. Powerful, man. Jeff, I just love it, dude. I could talk to you forever. Um, I know, you know, you you just made the comment, your dad passed recently and, and we've already heard what an incredible man and, and, and influence he was, you know, but, but interesting, right? We're at this stage, you're 44 and, and now, now he has moved on and, and he's, he's living out, you know, all the things that he taught you and you're living those out and, and still sharing them with the world. But talk to me a little bit about that. What's, what's that like? It's been seven weeks. <sighs> Hard, hardest, hardest, 
hardest few weeks of my life. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm. I mean, he was, my dad was, without question, my best friend. Mm. And um, I'm 44. And I am a true believer of not living with regrets. And I yeah, teach this, yeah. I preach this, I tell everybody this. Pick up the phone, visit your family, call them, make the time for them. I teach this all day long and I live by it. I literally live by it. Like I, I would spend so much time with my dad. I would call my dad two to three. At 44, I was still, I would call my dad to say goodnight every night. Like which 44 mm. does that? Yeah, right. And I still have regrets. I still think there was so much more I can do with him. He was taken very suddenly with a heart attack and it was unexpected. And, um, and yeah, it was just this emptiness, this, this feeling of just like, it, it, I, I go through stages where it's, it's, it didn't happen. It happened. It didn't happen. It happened. It's been an emotional roller coaster. I've cried more in the last seven weeks than I've cried my whole life. Wow. And, and it's, it's, it's hard because, you're never prepared, especially when you're so close to somebody. But I could also reflect on, like, we had so many great memories. And I, and I'm and there, there'll be a moment when I'm able to actually totally intake them and, and appreciate them. And we built so many memories. We used to go to car shows together. We did, we did everything together, everything together. And he was such a huge influence in my son's journey as well. He was a huge, very close to my, my son. And, um, and I'm so happy he was around to see him run his marathon. That was one thing he, he was uh, always, so beautiful. he was here to see him run his marathon. And that journey is, is, I mean, he's always going to be in our heart. He's always going to be here in my head and in mm -hmm. my heart, but it's do not live with regrets. Life is short. The only thing we have that's truly a currency in this world is time. And it's something that we cannot get back and live every day understanding that um if you don't have a good relationship with your parents make peace of it man make peace of it i mean don't yeah. don't get me wrong there there are shit people in this world and there are some parents that are not the greatest and 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 they just bring negativity in your life but just make peace of it and if you do have a good relationship with your parents spend as much time as you can with them allow your children to spend as much time with their grandparents as possible build memories and ref and uh, honestly one thing i'm very passionate about is is um, building memories, but also documenting those memories. I, we take photos and we develop them all the time. We have albums out, and you know how nice it is to be able to now go through albums of my dad. Like it's so oh, crazy. Yeah. Is behind my desk, my desk, my Ashley office desk on the other side here. This is for years behind my desk. I have three pictures of my dad behind my desk. So like everywhere he looks, he's around me all the time, right? So mm. being able to develop pictures. And, and there's nothing like that texture, the smell of an old photo, being able to go through albums and sit down with your children and tell stories. And now if you have a visual picture, it's a lot easier to tell a story with a visual picture than it is just telling a story. So I'm a strong believer in, man, even with your own families, to go on a vacation, take tons of pictures, develop them, put them in an album. You know how many times my kids on a Sunday night are, are up in their rooms going through old albums and laughing together of trips or road trips we did. And then also my son, my dad had albums and albums of him in the army and my, and he was my son, man, he would sit on the bench with him and go through these albums and tell him stories. Of the army stuff. those are so precious, man. Those memories are so, so, so precious, man. So man, if, if people are out there and they're listening and they're lucky enough to have their loved ones still around and, and their parents still around, man, just spend time with them. Tell them how you feel. Tell them that you love them. Like do things for them. Don't, one thing somebody told me years back, a few years back, and it's something I really took into me, was your parents will get to the to the situation to the age when they're in their seventies and 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 they're and and they, they they know their time is limited on this world, right? How many summers they have left? You ever hear that saying? The average person lives till eighty years old. You take away your age, so I'm forty four. Take away eighty, I'm looking at thirty six. I got thirty six summers mm -hmm. if, at best in this world left, which is nothing. So understanding that and understanding the, the, the value of times of currency, take those moments, build those memories, spend the time. Because you know what? If you're an entrepreneur, man, you can build anything. Money comes yeah. and goes. Spend yeah. the time with your loved ones and enjoy them and everything will come in time. And, and, and if you feel like you don't have enough time, figure out a way to sacrifice yourself. Wake up earlier, go to bed later, but spend the time with your loved ones. Hmm. Jeff, man, there's questions I didn't get to, but I feel like the things that we've touched on have just been so um, 
just so sweet and and so valuable and so important. And so I want to ditch a couple questions, but just want to ask you, you know, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you felt, man, I'd really love to share or talk about? Um, there's just been so much good already. I got so many notes in front of me just for myself. Uh, I love it, man. I love it. I love your passion. I love what you're doing with your family. But is there anything else that that we would want to touch on be- before I ask my final question? No, like I said, there's there's certain certain things I live by, and um, uh, be the guidance to your kids, like in in the way where you are a teacher, in the way where you're preparing them for life. I mm-hmm. mean, don't don't be the parent that's always doing everything for your kids because you're not preparing them. You're not preparing them for nothing. And and there's certain things with your children. It's like I said, building memories. Like I, I were as a family. Um, one thing we do all the time, and we have a very huge passion for is road trips. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I don't think, and I know people, some people hate road trips, seeing the car and listening to you scream. And I don't think there's anything <laughs> more special. For 12 years almost, you know, 11 or 12 years, those road trips from Toronto, Canada, Cape Cod were the greatest memories of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And and that's something we're very passionate with our kids. And um, we, we do try to do two road trips a year. We base them around um, two things. My daughter, we try to find a dance studio in that city. And we let her do a dance class with one of the professionals there. And uh, my son, we visit a, a major league ballpark. And we try to do Love these road it. trips. And we do a road trip every year. And, man, these road trips are some of the funnest times. When your kids are screaming. You're tight in the car. It's sweaty. It's hot. The kids are nauseous. Man, when you sit back and reflect and think of those memories, then you're laughing after. And it's just such great memories. So build road trips, build memories, spend time with your loved ones, and just live with zero regrets. In your head, if you did something or something passed and you're like, oh, man, I wish I did that, then go back and do it. You still have time. If you have time, just do everything you can to build those memories. Man, it's, I mean, I needed to hear that right now. You know, I'm actually about to take a two week, two weeks off, but I got a couple projects I'm working on. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to touch base on these projects here and here, but it's like, they'll be there in two weeks still, right? They'll be there in two weeks. So to not sacrifice, you know, my mental game to not be a hundred percent with my family. And so hearing you talk about, it's like, bro, all these projects are going to be here in two weeks. Just put them on hold. Go be a hundred percent with your family. Like my daughter's 15. So I got a 15 year old. She's, She's my oldest. What do I got? Three, four summers with her, right? Three, four summers until she's going to go do her own life. Um, Not her own life, but, you know, go move on to to do different things. You've heard heard that stat before. 90% of the FaceTime we we spend with our children is before the age of 18. Hmm. Powerful, powerful. And it's very true. Wow. 90% of our our FaceTime with our children will happen before they are 18. Yeah. Think about that. And you actually think about it before 18, you're with them pretty much all day. You're with them all night. You're with, once you're in 18, they start going on their own ventures, start having boyfriend, girlfriends, they're out of the house, they're getting jobs. Like that FaceTime starts getting diminishing and then they get married, that whole thing. And it's true. And people don't realize that, right? And and that's how you build those bonds and build that trust and build that, that, that connection is before the age of 18. And be honest, it starts from a very young age, right? To have building that trust and that connection. We're very high in it. We're very passionate about having dinner. We've been doing this for God, 11, 12 years, which we try not to miss a dinner. And the reason we do that, that's our comfort zone for our family. That's our comfort zone for our children to have an open dialogue with us as a family. We started this from very young, being like having this open dialogue. Like, hey, how was your day? What did you do? We started this. Build. Now my daughter's 15. She sits at a dinner table and, and has conversations with us that most 15-year-old kids wouldn't tell their parents because she has that safe zone, that comfort. So if you have young kids, start building that safe zone, that area, that spot. It doesn't have to be dinner. It could be a walk. It could be a hike. Build that safe zone that they feel comfortable that they're that's their time to open up to. And once you build it, it becomes part of their their repetition that 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 cycle that ha- becomes a habit. And then it, it makes things a lot easier when they get older, right? You still have that connection to them. I think it's really important for us dads to set a tone to not always be filling the space, right? So when you're driving in the car, you don't always have to have music on or be on the phone. When you're, when you're sitting around the breakfast table or the dinner table, they don't have the TV on, right? Create that awkward silence. And before you know it, that awkward silence will create conversation, right? You'll start to have conversation with your kids and you might think, oh gosh, I don't know that that's possible. Totally possible. People don't want to sit in silence, cut all the outside noise out create the space. And then before you know it, if you do it, like, like Jeff's saying, it becomes a habit. 
right? And then these beautiful moments and conversation come out, you know, a walk, a dinner, anything. Uh, uh, so good. All right, Jeff, man, I could talk to you forever about fatherhood. My last question, and I think that we... Um, I think that we hear this a lot in your voice and, and in your, your life already, but it's a legacy question and it's interesting. So my question is typically, you know, say 30 years from now, you're peering into the homes of your kids. What is the legacy that you left through your day in day out actions? But I want to also bring in the idea that your dad just left, right? And so he passed a legacy to you, you're 44, right? So what if he was asked that question, you know, 30 years ago? And look at the man that I'm talking to now. And it's from this consistently showing up as a dad that, that your dad did. What was your dad's name? Joe. Jose. Joe. So what's the legacy? You know, now that you're at this moment and you're reflecting a lot on, on the man that your father was, what's the legacy that you see that you're passing to your children if you were to look into their homes 30 years from now? Family above everything. Hmm. Simple and sweet, man. Family above everything. And but what does that look like? What does that look like to say family? Because <sighs> I can tell it means something very deep to you. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at it in in, in a way of having that 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 connection, that that understanding that we are always there for you. I I, mm. I always tell everybody, and I, and I try to. I I actually get dads to writing a living eulogy. Now I yep. ask people, how do you want to be remembered? And I say, for my family, I, I want them to always know that no matter what, I was always there for them. And and I always put their love, their care, their 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 desires, their wants in front of my own, in a way being unselfish, because I knew at the end that would come back and been tons right back to me. And, and it's that understanding where my dad, if I sit back and I look at my dad, like there was never a question of, of, um, of, I mean, doing this for me, I'm doing this for the family. And it was always that understanding and it just came natural to him. And that doesn't mean guys out there that are listening that, Hey, don't take time for yourself. Don't fill your cup up. Like I'm a strong believer in filling your cup up and taking time to work out and taking time for yourself. And we all need breathers. We all need our daily vacations, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. We do need that. Don't get me wrong, but you want to leave that legacy that I'm sitting there. Like you said, if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my kids that I've taught them the tools that they could one day be great parents, that they could one day have that connection to their kids the way I have a connection to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and being able to sit there and be like, you know what? Like I did a good job. Like uh, it, I, 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 what I did was good. And yes. don't get me wrong. We're always learning. We're always going to get better, but just having that mindset that, you know what, everything we do, there's a purpose for it. There's passion behind it. And when there is a mistake made, we own up to it. We reflect on it. We correct it. But at the same time, too, like, I just want to be able to sit there. And like I said, if I'm a ghost or a fly on the wall, be able to have a smile on my face and they look at my kids and be like, you know what? I did good. They're in a good place mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And I think my dad, and that's one thing. And one thing I could honestly reflect on, I wish we had a lot more time with my dad. I wish I had more years with him. I would cut off probably both my arms and spend another day with him, to be honest with you, man. But I know in his mind he left comfortably knowing that we could take care of ourselves. We're, we're in a good spot. He's taught us everything he needed to teach us. He's shown us everything mm-hmm. he needed to show us and he left in a good spot. And, and that's, that's as a dad, I think that's, that's probably one of the most rewarding feelings, right? Oh yeah. I mean, when we pause and we reflect and we go, what do I want out of life? We say that and, and, and we really innately, like we feel that, but if we reflect on our calendar or if we're not reflecting on our calendar every couple months, before you know it, you're not actually spending your time doing that, yeah. creating that life, right? Because life will happen to you. So, so man, Jeff, I'd love to end with this for the guys is, is a lot of like, I actually want to give you some homework, dudes. Like we never do this, but like, here's some homework is how do you want to be remembered? Like, don't just hear Jeff say that and then just drive and think and just move on. Like go set aside an hour and write down, how do I want to be remembered? What are my kids going to say 
at my funeral? What are they going to say? So that would be challenge number one. And then challenge number two is, are you there? Like, are you there physically? And are you there mentally? Because Jeff, like you've said, you know, family is everything. And we say, you know, like, I'll always be there for you. And I think of how many men will say, oh man, I'll be there for you. But I say that with my words and I probably would be if you called me, but am I really there day in, day out dominoes where there's this feeling that I'm actually there? And I think those two questions, if us men could go ask ourselves those questions and not just ask once and then move on, but every eight weeks, check back in with ourselves. Am I living up to this statement I made at 40 years old, right? Of this is how I want to be remembered. And then am I checking in with myself if I'm showing up? And dads, if you, I mean, you're listening to this, don't blow this off. Don't blow off what Jeff is saying. If you really are are intentionally trying to grow and step up for your family, create some habits that are going to set you up for success. Yeah. Can I jump in with one little thing I do? Please, I please, very please. Powerful, is <clears throat> somebody taught me this, taught me this, somebody explained this to me or showed me this um, years back. And it's something I've been very passionate about. Um, every single year on my kids' birthdays, I reflect on the year past and I write out a letter, handwrite it, of the last year. Hmm. All the great things that happened, all the memories that I have of that year, everything I'm proud of they accomplished that year. And I put into a letter, I date it, I put it away, and I lock it and put it into the safety and into an actual, I put a hide it away. Wow. And I'm doing that every single year. And so one day that I'm not here, they could go back and look at the last 30, 40, 20, whatever it is, and read each Dude, that's rich. every year, every year of how I felt about them, what I thought of them, what I was proud of about them, all positive stuff and being able to have that memory. So that's something um, I've been doing for a little few years now. And it's something that I'm going to try to continue to do. Um, and, and my wife knows I do it. So, I mean, if something were to happen to me, um, yeah. she'd be able to yeah. give it to the kids. And it's, it's something simple. It takes you five, 10 minutes. But I think it's something that your kids are going to be, it'll, it'll be such an incredible gift one day when we're not yeah. here. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Man, I love it. I I have a journal for each of my kids. And when there's a significant moment in their life or a day we have together, I'll go in there and I'll write, hey, today this happened, you know, because they may not remember it. You know, they might not remember that moment. And then the hope is, you know, one day to give that to them. So, dude, ah, Jeff, man, thank you for the man you are. Thank you for um, the way that you're leading your family and your children. I think that I I love it so much because it's hope for our world, right? We all speak of wanting to have impact on our world and and showing up and loving our families. You know, I, I always make this crazy statement, you know, like my kids may one day marry your kids. So it really mm-hmm. freaking matters how you're showing up for your kids and how I'm yeah. showing up for my kids, yeah. you know, and, and if men everywhere are doing that, I mean, if dads showed up and knew who they were, what would our world look like? You know, yeah. I, I just think yeah. that dads have such an impact on, on, on human beings. Like the way you and I feel about our dads still matters at 44 years old, right? So dude, keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring the world. And I, I just look forward to getting to know you more and, and following your work and, and learning and growing um, from all that you're doing, man. I appreciate it, brother. And I mean, just for the audience that obviously knows you, um, I just want to thank you, man. I mean, your passion is very 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 it comes through that mic very very clearly and you obviously have um god a, a, a great family life and a great mindset of understanding what it is to be a dad as well so i appreciate you and i appreciate everything you're doing and leading as well brother love it man well dude thank you and i look forward to talking to you again my friends what a great conversation i'm super on fire got a bunch of notes here and i would just challenge you to actually go do that homework to really think through so i'm going to leave it with that i mean a ton of good stuff but go set some time aside like you matter your life matters you are the only one who can sit down and make a plan and then work on it and then pause and then reflect and then continue to do that when you hear somebody like jeff share all that he's done it is from years and years and years and years of sitting down deciding what he wants going to try to do that, doing it, winning, failing, reflecting, and then doing it again. And if you start doing that every month, every couple months, you are going to notice that down the road, 
year from now, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, your life is going to be dramatically different because you chose to go to work. You chose to go make a plan. You chose to take control of your life. So dude, go do the homework. I am super excited about all that he shared with us. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And if you haven't done so already, please take a minute and write a review of the podcast. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. I look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you.